podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Welcome to the Rangers Rabble uh, in conversation and today we're with Cammy Bell. So Cammy, thanks very much for taking time out of your busy schedule to come and speak to us. No problem, thanks for having us. No problem. So get right into it. I never realised until I was doing your um, my wee bit of information seeking on this. You're a Dumfries boy. Yes, I am. Um, from south of Scotland, it's uh, you don't get too many footballers down this way that that make it. Really, um, I know there's obviously there's been a few. Um, uh, Barry Nicholson, um, he's obviously he made it at a decent level, and from down Ian McCall's from down this way as well. So. Um, no, there's not not too many from down this way that that uh, go on and, and sort of make it at the professional level. But a lovely wee place, and the fans. Obviously, I've been down there myself a few times, and the fans, and that's a it's a nice wee village, and they're right into their football. Eh? Brilliant, yeah. No, I mean it's a it's it's a great place to live. Um, to be honest, it's it's nice and relaxing. It's probably one of the reasons that when I played with Rangers, I, I chose to stay down in in Annan, just outside Annan, anyways. Uh, and travel most of the time. Um, obviously, for games and stuff, I'll stay in a hotel, but just a beautiful place to live. Quite peaceful, to be honest, um, and away from the hustle and bustle of Glasgow. I was going to say that. We'll get on to that when we speak about Rangers, but uh, did you find that goldfish bowl that everyone talks about up here? Did you Did you find that must have been a big difference for coming up for Dumfries and travelling in? Yeah, I mean, obviously, being at, being at Kilmarnock, um, we actually used to train in Glasgow with Kilmarnock when I was there. Uh, so you kind of got a little feel of it then because you were playing against Rangers and Celtic and people started to notice who you were um, with playing with, uh, with Kilmarnock at that point. But is it's a, when you go to Rangers and you, you get the, the inside of the club and the feeling of it, it's um, you always expect it to be big, but it's always bigger than, than you can you can prepare yourself for. It's... Um, it's a massive club and it's, it's such a it's such a great club as well. A fantastic time that I had there. But no, it's um it's huge and a little bit I think it was quite relieving for me to be able to go home and be out of that goldfish bowl as you speak about, um and just sort of have some some family time and um again distance distance myself a little bit from the sort of mad football environment that you put yourself in when you sign with Rangers. Yep. So Another thing I never realised is you went to Kilmarnock 2002 and never actually broke into the first team till kind of 2010. So it was a long journey for you, uh, a couple of loan spells and and really biding your time. And um, I just just working your way through that system and, and plugging away. And obviously we've got McGregor in goals at Rangers now who done the same loans to St Johnson, loans to Dunfermline. And do you think the loan spells built you uh, to into the goal you were? Yeah, I think they're massive. Um... I think when I joined, I was only 15, so I had that period that was in the youth side uh, with Kilmarnock and then sort of went to under-19s level. And under-19s was really strong then. Uh, you had your Celtic and Rangers. We were playing against Celtic and Rangers. We had McGeady and Charlie Adams was in at Rangers. And, and they were strong, strong, um, sort of Ross McCormack. There was strong setups back then. And it was really competitive. And, and again, the Reserve League was really competitive back then as well. Um, Rangers and Celtic played all the players that didn't play on a Saturday. Uh, played in the reserve league, so that was that was a good experience when you're sort of 18, 19. Uh, I had a few loan spells, as you spoke about. I went to Montrose for a short period, but um, that got cut short due to a, a bad knee injury. Um, and then once I had a sort of a period out of a year and a half um, with my knee injury with that one, because it was a long term, it was done my cruciate. 
um, at a young age. And then when I got back, I, I got the opportunity to go to Queenie Self. And I think Queenie Self one was the one that really made me because I was at an age, I was sort of 20, 21 year old. And it, it made me realise I wanted first team football. Um, when I came back to Kamara, I remember having the conversation with Jim Jeffries and said, look, if I'm not going to be involved here, I'd much rather drop down the level and go and play football because I, I loved a Saturday. I loved playing with Queens and they were in the championship. It was a really good standard um, and it was competitive. And I actually got the opportunity to play in Europe that season with Queen SL because they were they were in Europe against uh, Norseland from from Denmark. So it was it was a uh, it was it was a real good turning point for me. I think that moment when that made me want first team football and I was willing to drop down the levels, but. Jim Jeffries says, look, bide your time. This could be your season. Um, and I got a couple of games under Jim Jeffries. He left and Jimmy Calderwood came in and Jimmy Calderwood showed so much faith in me. We were struggling in the league that season and he um, he played me and it, it was a making of me because we were we were struggling as a side. So I was getting a lot of shots into me and a lot, a lot of action. And it was, um, it was good for me personally. I managed to get a lot of man in the matches because I was involved in the match so much. Um, but he showed real faith in me, um, and then I sort of managed to just kick on my commander career from there. Brilliant. And talking about man of the matches, I, I need to, I feel the point I need to speak to you about is your your cup final performance, uh, March two thousand and twelve, and that's when I really thought. Obviously, at that time, uh, things were going a bit peat at Rangers, and there was talk of demotion. I watched you in that cup final. I remember watching your performance and saying to my dad at the time. That boy's a really good goalkeeper. I've never noticed him before. He could be a job at Rangers. Obviously, we've been linked to players uh, in, in and around kind of the uh, the Premier League for bringing boys down. What about that game for you? Do you think that was the kind of game that got you noticed with Rangers? And uh, tell us a wee bit about that game. No, it was an unbelievable game for me and and even for Kilmarnock to win a, a major trophy when Rangers and Celtic were so strong at that point. I know Rangers were having a little bit of bother, but they still had some unbelievable players. Yep. Um, and no, it was just one of them games that I think as a goalkeeper, everything goes for you. I mean, you need to work hard and you need to have the quality to do it. But um, I felt as if I always did have that quality and I had been doing it for Kilmarnock. But as you say, a lot of people don't notice what's going on at Kilmarnock. I sort of a lesser side in the SPL back then. Um, and and it was just one of them games. I think it set me up when I sent a half past the ball to Sissoko after five minutes and uh, Gary Hooper was one-on-one with me and I managed to make the save. And that was a major point in that game that it gave me confidence. Everyone was a little bit nervous. Come on, we're not used to cup finals. So yep. it was it was one of them moments when I made that save. Um, it gave me confidence and it probably gave the, my team confidence in myself. And then... No, listen, the rest of it is sort of history and it was a, it was an unbelievable performance. But again, going back to playing against Selic, when I played with Kamarnock, I always had good games against Selic for some reason. It yep. was, um, I remember Robbie Keane's debut. I got my match in that match as well. We beat them 1-0 at Rugby Park. Um, and I just always seemed to have really good games against Celtic. It was something about it. And um, no, listen, winning the League Cup was, was definitely one of my highlights in my career. Brilliant. And I, I don't know why I had it in my head. You signed for Rangers the next season after, but when i done my research for the interview, there was a full season between that cup final. Uh, obviously, by this point, Rangers are playing in the bottom tier and there's a lot of transfer speculation linking you with Rangers and when I read up, linking you with other clubs, but there was also talk of signing a five-year deal. How early in that season, obviously, you would have knew through your agent, whatever, that there was concrete interest from Rangers to sign you at the end of that season? 
I knew pretty early on, to be honest, at the end of at the end of the the sort of 2012 season, um, after the League Cup final, at the end of that season, I knew there was interest. Obviously, I'd worked with the goalie coach Jim Stewart um, previously at Kilmarnock, um, and I knew Ali McCoy anyways. Um, so it was I knew there was interest that summer, but I still had a year left in my contract. And again, Rangers were they were signing players and they were paying for players, but they had Neil Alexander there at the time. Yep. Um, and I think. It was good for me to get another season at Kilmarnock. It was more SPL games for me to play in. Um, but I knew there was that interest. And I always knew I was going to leave Kilmarnock that season because I knew it was my opportunity to, to go on and try and go to a bigger club and and, and try and get more experience at a, a better level. But it was great as well because I was in the Scotland setup at that time as well. So everything was going in the right direction for me. Um, and I was speaking to my agent constantly. And it came to January and I knew I could sign a pre-contract. It was the first, I think that was the first um, uh, January winter uh, break shutdown. And I remember I was on holiday actually, and my agent had phoned me, and I was sitting, I was actually sitting, trying to get some sun, trying to relax a little bit. Before <laughs> this is before I had kids and all that, so I was uh, enjoying myself. And yep. um, my agent phoned me and he says, Look, I'm going in to meet Charles Green today to have, discuss a contract with you. Um, and he phoned me back later that day. And he just says, look, they've offered you a four-year deal. Um, this is what they're offer- offered. But we're also going to speak to Burnley as well today. Um, so they went down and spoke to uh, Burnley that day as well. And it was, uh, no, it was, it was interesting. I mean, for me, it was uh, I was high as high as I could be because I, I was Rangers were interested in me first and foremost. Also, I had Burnley interested, and it was uh, it took a sort of a month to get everything ironed out. And I remember I went and signed a pre-contract in February with. Sort of quietly, as quiet yeah. as it could be. Anyways, it was meant to be quiet. And it was on the back of the paper the next day. <laughs> um, but I remember going to meet an agent in the Asda car park just along from the the stadium at Ibrox. Yep. Dropped in his car and drove to the front of the stadium. Uh, went up the stairs and um, sat down. It was just Charles Green, um, my agent, myself, and Andrew Dixon, the, the finance director, at the time, and uh, just basically got the contract signed and. It was it was an unbelievable feeling going away from that. See, I'll never forget to be honest because I remember sitting in the car and and just signing with a club that you've always wanted to play for and dreamed of as a kid. Uh, it was I, I think I actually had probably had a little tear in my eye to be honest because I was I'm quite an emotional person, but it was just it was one of the moments that you know I'll never forget because it was um, it was a one that was a highlight of my career as well just signing with the club. Yep. So, see, obviously, at the time you signed uh, with Rangers back then, I spoke about this on a podcast the other day. Did you think, looking back now at that point, do you think, are you signing then thinking Rangers are going to be back on the top of Scottish football within the next kind of seven, eight years? Or did you think it was a much longer process than that? No, I, I genuinely thought it was going to be, uh, there, there was part of the process. I knew I was part of the process. I knew... It was going to be probably difficult for me to stay at Rangers long, long term. But just to get that opportunity, I, I could never ever turn it down. Um, and to be part of a, a process that Rangers will never go through again. I know they won't. Um, and that opportunity was was too big. But I knew it wasn't going to be a long, long term. I knew the, the, the process would get there. Listen, when I signed, I knew things weren't right. I knew they weren't up, up the stairs. But that, that was ultimately out of my hands. Yeah, and they were signing for me to be on the football pitch to try and get results, but it was a difficult period for the club. I could tell already when I went in and signed that things were weren't right, but I firmly believed they would always would get there to become right. 
Um, and no, it was just it was just one of them, one of them things that I knew that I was going to be part of the process, and to see them where they are today is is unbelievable. And but it was always going to happen for me. I always believed it would happen. Brilliant. So go to a. Uh, 2013 season and yeah, you, you make your debut for Rangers East Fife, I believe. Yep. How how was that day for you? Finally pulling on the jersey and going out competitively. It was it. It was it was brilliant, amazing day that was. But it was weird the build up to it. Obviously, I signed and I went in in June, started training with the club. But again, we couldn't officially sign because of the transfer ban. So it was a it was a long period. Um, again. There was a lot of rumours at that time the club are going back in administration. There's a lot of things wrong up the stairs. And, and I, again, I had signed a contract that, that wasn't actually active at that time. So I was training with the club for, wasn't we weren't getting wages or anything. We were training the club for sort of three months without getting any wages, um, which is fine because it was a commitment that we had made. But it was also a bit worrying going into that sort of three months and you're hearing all these noises in the background saying, look, club could be going into administration again things aren't right and you kind of knew things weren't right at the top either as well yeah. um, but to, to finally get to that day because I remember obviously I was at every game um, that we played before it and we were allowed to play a couple of trialists um, in the games and and then I eventually got my opportunity to play um, and make my debut and it was it was it was special it was really special it was it was great I had my family there and um, again another day I'll never forget it's just just great, great to pull the jersey on in, a, in an actual game for Rangers and, and make your debut and very, very proud of it. I know uh, a lot of players keep the, their kind of team lines or a wee memento of their debut and stuff, but your your team lines, would I say, trialist in goals? Uh, that must have been, that must have been absurd. It was, it was a little bit, yeah, it was. Again, I kept my shirt, so again, that's something that I, I've got and I think I kept my gloves aware in that game. I kind of, that was one of the things I've kind of done through my career. My cup final shirt with Kamarnak and my gloves and then my Rangers shirt and my gloves that I wore that day. Um, just as memorabilia to remember in years to come that that you managed to get this opportunity. And again, it was through a lot of hard work um, to build up to get to that day to play for Rangers. And and uh, no, it was it was something that was really special running in front of the fans as well at Ibrox. So again, it's something I'll never forget. Still... To this day, you go and watch Rangers, and you get the, 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 the hairs on the back of your neck stand up. Just being in the in this in the stadium, um, it's a real special place, and um, there's some special people in the in the club as well. Yep. So obviously, coming from Kilmarnock, uh, you turn up to Auchinhoe for training. Is there a massive? I take it there's a massive difference in the standard of kind of your surroundings, coaching. Just that everything is a massive step up going to that sort of world-class facility. Yeah, again, it was just everything was bigger and better. Um, again, the scrutiny on everything that you'd done um, was so much more. You were aware of it all the time. You went to a supermarket in Glasgow, you were filling your carrot with petrol and there was somebody there and you could see them talking about you or, or they would come up and talk to you or they would give you a bit of abuse as well. That <laughs> happened a lot, so it was, it was one way or the other. Um, but no, it was when you sign with Rangers, you you know you've signed within a week. You know you've signed with Rangers because everything is just so much bigger. More people want to talk to you. More people want to deal with you. Again, it was interesting when I signed with Rangers. I mean, there was like 
six or seven agents saying, oh, I can get you a deal with Rangers and get you a deal with Rangers. But I knew it was I knew it was already done, but everyone was just trying to jump on it. And it's sometimes a little bit like that when you sign with clubs um, like Rangers, that everyone just wants to jump on you and, and be part of, of what you're, you're experiencing. Um, I think that's where players, when they go to clubs like Rangers, some, some can get caught up in it a little bit. But thankfully, I'd probably had the ground in at Kilmarnock that I needed but it was just, it was a phenomenal experience going into Auchenhowie every day. The pitches, the facility, the people, the staff that were there, they were all, everyone. The thing that I noticed biggest about Rangers was every single person in, from the cleaners to the chefs to everyone at Auchenhowie wanted Rangers to win the football match. It was, everyone was desperate. They were all Rangers fans, they were all Rangers people. And it was it was a real it was a real family environment and they needed that because it was as I say there was tough times going on behind the scenes there was a lot of noise and a lot of a lot of mess up the stairs but at Auchenhowie it was like kind of like our little family there. So how did you feel coming again coming from a team where maybe a draw is a good result to coming to Rangers where every game's must win and you've got that pressure and. I notice it myself when I go to Ibrox. If if things are there's not a breakthrough or you're two 0 up after twenty minutes, the fans can get on the players back sometimes in that. How did you deal with that kind of pressure? It was difficult. It was really difficult. And I think anyone that says that it's not difficult, it's just lying. It's um it's a complete change from, as you say, an acceptance at a one all draw or sometimes even getting beat if you're playing an, an Aberdeen at Commandment, sometimes a one 0 defeat isn't a bad result. Yep. But for me, you play anybody. We could, if we played, were playing Celtic and we were in League One, it wasn't acceptable to get beat. You needed to win. You needed to have that winning mentality, and it got breedy, didn't it? It did. It, it got. You, you soon knew that if you didn't have that winning mentality, you wouldn't last. You wouldn't. You wouldn't be in the club. You'd be moved out straight away, and uh, the demands there are so high, and it is. Um, I'd say. It's more mentally challenging than, than physically. Every player that signed there, signs there has got talent, has got ability, but it's how you handle the situation. It's how you, can you do it on a Saturday when you've got 40,000? Can you do it on a Saturday when you've got 40,000 people giving you a little bit of stick because their demands are so high? Yep. That, that's the question that Rangers players get asked all the time, still do to this day. Um, and that's the way that it'll always be because they're such a big club. But I think um, it was difficult to deal with, but I felt as if, you soon soon go on at the the rhythm where I didn't accept defeat as well. I was in it. If we didn't if we didn't win the game, then you'd be in the changing room asking questions, saying why didn't we win that game? And you'd be disappointed. Even some games, I remember we won a game at Ibrox. Can't remember who it was against. Two 0 We didn't perform very well. We got we almost got grumbled off. Um, and that's when you know the expectations are so high at, at Rangers. Um, and it is again being in the lower leagues. I would say it was it was difficult to deal with as well because we were expected to beat team six, seven, nil um, every week, especially when you do that once or twice, the expectations there, well, why are we not doing that every week? But it's even to this day for Rangers to play a, an East Fife in the cup or somebody like that in the cup, they're difficult games, difficult games to break, break teams down because they normally just sit in, make it really hard. Um, and again, it's, it's one of these expectations. You just need to deal with a big club though. Yep. Well, I like to speak a wee bit about Alan McCoyst. Obviously, when you signed, he was the, the gaffer. Uh, how was he, he? Obviously, he's a club legend, but how was he as a as a gaffer in, in his training? Obviously, for a while, when he, when things weren't going so great, you were hearing stories coming out of Auckland Highway that 
they were playing five or six games and the losers would have to line up the goal line and get balls kicked at their asses and stuff like that. Is that all just is that all just because times were hard? Was that kind of stuff happening? Do you know what I mean? That, that listen, see when see when things go wrong, people always look for answers of what, why is it going wrong, and then the, all these things get brought. See when we were winning, we were yeah. we were doing things like that, and that, that for me, see if you if you if you're playing a fun competition, then that's punishment at most clubs is oh, the player goes on the line and it's a shot yep. for 18 yards and try and hit him and, yep. and it's that that's absolutely nobody says anything when we are winning games but then yep. as soon as you're, you're losing games and that's all, all of a sudden a problem to do that it, it that for me is isn't the reason that when we started struggling it was Ali McCoyce was a fantastic manager to be honest he was he was a real um, infectious person um, which you can, everyone can get when you listen to him and watch him on TV. But he was like that as a manager, really cared about his players, really um, wanted his best out of his players. And I would say Ali McCoist had the hardest time, and probably one of the hardest times in Rangers history to manage the club. If everyone knew what was going on at the club at that point, then they would realise that, listen, how he managed to continue to be manager for so long. There was people in there inside Rangers that wanted him out. They wanted him out and were, were, were stabbing him in the back, were trying to get him out. And Ali obviously loved the club. Yep. And we do everything for the club. And again, I knew firsthand that there was people trying to trying to get him out when they, when again it wasn't even when things were going wrong. They just didn't they wanted their own people or up the stairs. People were we're backstabbing everyone, and it was it was a real difficult period for Ali to to manage a team when you've got all that stuff going on uh, up the stairs, and also you've got this external pressure from your fans, which is always there. But expectation of winning four or five nil every week when because you're in the lower leagues and because yep. you're Rangers. Um, so for me, he was a he was a really good manager. Give me the opportunity to play at Rangers, but not not just that. I think his heart was was in the right place. He, he absolutely he worked hard. He wanted the best for the club, um, but I would always say he's had the most difficult time to be Rangers manager because of what was going on. You spoke a wee bit about signing um, and meeting Charles Green. I know that he wasn't there for that long when you signed, but we hear some stories about him being dead eccentric and this and that. Did you have much dealings with him personally or was, it, was, he more, was that all going on up above your level just trying to continue playing? It was interesting because when I signed with when I signed actually my contract the, my pre contract Charles Green was chief executive then. Yep. Um, by the time I actually, actually got to the club, he'd left the club. Yep. Um, so the only dealings I had with him was a sort of a small amount. Um, again, I, I, I probably felt when I met him that he didn't have the the club at heart. I, I don't think he did, and I think that that's kind of been proven now a little bit that. Charles Green was was as you say an eccentric character and 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 wanted to do things his own way. But it was almost like I've met chief executives throughout my career at different clubs, and they they understand where you're coming from, exactly what my background was, what they're signing, who they're getting as a person, a personality, a player. And I just didn't get that feeling off Charles Green that he even really knew who I was a little yeah. bit, um, which was for me was strange. Um, again, probably the thing that was good that Andrew Dixon was there, the the finance director, and Andrew's a great guy and and knows a lot about the club and 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 works hard for the club, still works for the club. 
um, and is a fantastic person. So again, speaking to him put me at a little bit more ease than rather than speaking to the chief executive. But that gave me a, a feeling, especially when I've went on in my career now and dealt with so many chief executives that, that listen, they should know every single thing about me because they're signing me. They, yeah. they're, they're the people that are bringing me to the club. They're, they've done the deal. Um, whereas I think Andrew completely understood what I was, where I was coming from, blah, blah, blah. And I just didn't think Charles Green really knew too much about me. So you play um, the full season at Rangers that year and win the League One trophy. How yeah. How is that celebrated? Was it... That, that's a big achievement still. If you're moving up a league, it's another step of a journey completed. Although budgets are bigger, it's still a big, it's still a big thing to win a league. Yeah? Massive, massive, and it was uh, again we finished that season unbeaten in the in the league, and that was a big thing because when we won the league, it was won well before the end of the season, and again that that then pressure and what Rangers will be feeling now and the players will be feeling now is that can they go unbeaten and. And I know Stephen Gerrard saying it's, it's not the biggest thing, which it's not because they've won the league. That was the biggest thing. But inside themselves, they'll want to go the season unbeaten, 100%. They'll yep. be desperate to do that because we were as well. But the pressure and pressure and pressure builds and it becomes harder and harder. Um, and and again, um, it was it was a fantastic achievement. And, and listen, that's what we set out to do. We can't do any more than winning League One when we were there. That's, yep. that's as much as we can do. As a as a team, um, and we got that got that job done. It was it was a it was a tough season. Um, I remember at, at the end of the season, it was probably the first time in my career. I played a lot of games in the SPL with Kamarnock, but it was the first time in my career I was mentally tired at the yeah. end of the season. And I think that was probably down to the the unbeaten thing as well, because we were desperate to keep that going, um, and we we didn't want to let anyone down as well. So that was, but it was a it was a huge achievement and a great day for me. Just going around the stadium, I had my, my young um, girl there, she was she went around the, the, the pitch with me and had some great pictures and great memories and um, no, listen, to win anything in your career, it's, it's, a, it's a major achievement. So, Sri, after you win that, is there a feeling uh, within the squad and within the team that we're going to go again next season and the juggernaut continues right through the championship? Obviously, I, I think Hearts and Hibs both end up in the championship that year. Uh, but was the feeling within Ibrook still very much the journey continues and we'll go and expect to, to win the championship next year? Yeah, there was always the expectations that you need to win that you need to win the championship. You need to that that was the expectations. And again, there was still this noise again up the stairs that was that was mumbling away. Things were changing. I think when I was at Rangers, the chief executive changed like five times. Yeah, it was, which is which is incredible. And that just tells you things things aren't right. That, that they're meant to be your leaders of your your sort of your group. I know there's a board above them, but they're they're the ones that do all the day to day stuff within a club and make sure it runs right from the, the finance department to the football department to everyone. And it just kept on changing, and and it was um, things still weren't right. There was a lot a lot going on in the background, but we as a group still expected to win the championship. We had added two or three players. We we went sort of into pre-season, feeling really good. I think we went to America that year and done a pre-season over there um, for two weeks. And, and then we came back, I think we played Newcastle in a friendly at Ibrox. And then we went in the season and um, yeah, it was it was always going to be a real tough season with Hearts and Hibs being in the, in the championship. Probably that league was more exciting than the Premier League that year. 
Um, but it was it was something that we still looked at and thought, you know what, we, we need to go and win this league. Um, and unfortunately, obviously, we came a lot a little bit short. A lot happened in that season. Um, but again, I still say that's part of the process. Yep, you talked there about signing a couple of players. Do you think throughout the journey up through the leagues, Rangers maybe missed a chance at producing our own youngsters rather than maybe throwing money at a Sandaza or an Ian Black? Or do you think there was boys in the academy there coming through at Auchinhowie that could have they could have done a job in the divisions and bonded as a team? Do you think we maybe missed a chance there? I think it's I think it was really difficult at that point because of the pressure. I think to throw a team of young kids out there who you're expected to win the league. Even when we went in the championship, it was it, we got nailed for not winning it. And and again, even if you go into League One and League Two with youngsters, um, they maybe could have done a different model. But were they prepared for that? Probably not. No. Are they are they trying to? For me, I look at the club at the moment, and they're trying to work out how do they get more Nathan Patterson's playing every week. How do they? They're looking at their model. Like, is it loan deals? Is it is it having a partnership with another club? Is it? They obviously got the Orange County thing going on over over in America. So yep. they're trying to. They're trying different things at the moment, and that's Rangers are at the top at the moment. So I just think the timing of it, they needed to probably go out and sign these players because of the pressure, because of the expectation. I think they maybe could have bred one or two more in, but I really think the model they done it on probably was right because it, it dragged them pretty quickly to the championship and then in the championship obviously we had to stabilise for a couple of seasons but the championships are really really hard league really hard league and again Hearts and Hibs have both found that out and and then we've kicked Rangers have kicked on into the Premier League and I think the model was everyone looks from the outside and says oh could we have just looked at our youngsters but I don't think Rangers were prepared at that point for them they're not in the place that they are now Yep. So the next season, uh, 2014-2015, you started the season injured, dislocated shoulder? I started the season, I played a few games and I actually dislocated the sh- my shoulder. Um, we played Falkirk on a Friday night. I played in that game and in the first half I made a save close at somebody's feet and it sort of whiplashed my shoulder back. And the physio came on, I remember it really well because it was a, this was a real point in my career that I'll never forget that I, I felt something in my shoulder that night and the physio came on, checked it. I was okay. I played on till half time, checked me again at half time and it was fine. They were quite happy with it and I played the rest of the game. I actually, I remember in the last minute, I made a really good save from um, one of the players from a free kick and we won the, won the game at Falkirk. It was a tough game and we were training the next day because I think we played Clyde in the Cup two days later. And normally after a, a game, you wouldn't, especially a night game going on the next day, you wouldn't train, but because... We had the game so quickly, I thought, you know what, I'll go out and do some handling. Um, and that morning, I never even thought of my shoulder. Never ever even contemplated that. It wasn't sore, wasn't stiff, wasn't anything. Just went out and says, right, I'll do a bit of handling. Within 20 minutes of doing a couple of hand, couple of catches, uh, we've done a couple of dives to the side. and I mean, not even stretching out. And I dived down in my shoulder. I just felt this, something happened to my shoulder. I didn't know what, because I'd never dislocated my shoulder before. Something happened. And then I had to, I quickly stood up, grabbed my arm and just started walking in to go into the physio. I knew something had went wrong. And on the way in, Jim Stewart had said, try and relax a bit, try and relax a bit. And as I relaxed, my shoulder just, I heard a clunk and it clunked back in. Um, and then I went and seen the physio and Stevie Walker, the physio was, was assessing me and he was lifting my arm to the air. 
and as he was lifting my hand halfway up, it popped back out and he grabbed it and he knew it was out. And yeah. then he managed to get back in. Um, and that was a real hammer blow to me in my career. Massive, massive. Because your shoulder as a goalkeeper, yeah. it, it, it's, it's so difficult to deal with. You need it to be strong. And it was, it was um, yeah, it was it was a, a change, probably a career-changing moment for me, to be honest. Because I was in good form that season as well. I was enjoying my football. I was ready. I was playing well. And it was... Um, Again, we went and seen a surgeon on the Monday. The surgeon says, I was desperate not to get an operation. So I've done four weeks of rehab. The surgeon says, look, the chances are probably 30% you'll get away with, with without getting surgery. But I said, I'll take that 30%. I tried four weeks of rehab and I was almost ready to play. I think we'll do it play Allo away. I got myself back, feeling good. Done a lot of stuff, handling. I was okay. I'd done some dives. I felt as if my shoulder was all right. And on the first day, I went in to do extra training, caught a cross, I fell, and it popped out again and that was it but it was out and I couldn't get back in I had to go to hospital I think they gave me ketamine at that point to get back <laughs> in so um, uh, that was that was the moment that it was a major blow because I knew it was a six months injury So that season um, your understudies Steve Simonson and Lee Robinson Yep How was how was working working with A-Boys from the outside looking in Rangers having a, a big history of good goalkeepers and include yourself in that I didn't think they were the, the standard dropped a bit when you went out that season and maybe they boys Lee Robinson's big old sport goalie gloves you'll need to give us a word on them they were horrific were they not <laughs> <laughs> Lee Robinson's gloves man I think he wore magic gloves underneath his gloves sometimes uh, <laughs> no listen it was uh, I think they were great guys great guys but I think they were they were probably brought in to be number twos yep and then when something major happens to your first-team goalie, and again, as I say, it was a six-month injury for me. There was no... I needed to get my shoulder reconstructed, pretty much. Um, and and for them guys to then be given the opportunity, it was great for them, but where they, they weren't used to... I'd had a season, I'd been bred into the Rangers mentality. Yep. Um, and and they, were, they were sort of in the background for it. So I think it was really difficult for them. I really do. I think it was one of them ones that... They came in, they probably weren't expecting that opportunity. And then, again, I had a relationship with the back four as well. So it's always difficult, yep. always difficult to, to change that. And, um, yeah, maybe, maybe it did fall away because I felt as if, when I'd got my injury, I felt as if I was in really good form and I was, yep. I'd had a good pre-season. And, again, it was a, a hammer blow to me when I got that injury. In the championship that year, obviously Hibs had players like John McGinn in that playing for them. So it wasn't as if Hibs and Hearts were a were a soft side. But I was looking at some of the players we had that year. Wallace, Big McCulloch, Black, Vukic, Templeton, Boyd. We had a team strong enough that we, we should have we should have done better. Eh? Definitely. Definitely should have done better. Again, it's um when you start to we lost a couple of key games that were probably Confidence-wise, killed us a little bit because, again, I remember um, watching on the telly when I was injured that we got beat a follow away, and that was a that was a major blow because it was from the outside in. It looks horrendous. We were getting a lot of stick. It, I think there was again that season was the season that I knew there was a lot going on in the background. Obviously, the Newcastle boys coming in that situation that that was the manager didn't even know they were coming in. They turned yep. up at the training ground, knew nothing about it. Um, which is wrong, and, and and that's when there was major cracks appearing up in the 
in the hierarchy that that was affecting the team as well. Um, when you've got five boys getting sent on loan that your manager doesn't know anything about, that that's that's not acceptable for me. Um, and again, there was there was a lot of changes that season. I think it massively affected us. I really do. I, 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 there's no excuses for the players. We should have performed better, but there was a, there was so much going on upstairs. I think that was the season that I noticed that really changed, affected our management staff and affected the players as well. Yep. So we get to the, we secure a playoff place, and you you're back by this point fit. Yep. The games against Motherwell, first game, obviously a disappointing loss. Um, going into the second leg of that, did, did the players feel that they could still turn that around? Um, it was it was it was interesting in the playoffs. I mean, I I I'd only got back to it just before the playoffs, so I hadn't played a lot of football. And yep. then what had happened was I'd actually got picked up a knee injury in training, so my knee kept on swelling up. We didn't have time to really. We did have time, but we didn't assess it properly yep. because I didn't really want to know the outcome of it. My knee was swelling up. I wasn't training a lot. I was um, getting injections in my knee before. This was even before the playoff games. Yep. I was getting injections in my knee just to play. And then it was taking two or three days to calm it down to, to play another game. And then when the playoffs came, obviously we played Queen of South home and away, managed to get through that. I wouldn't say convincingly. We looked tired. We looked um, mentally sort of drained a little bit everything that happened. Stuart McCall came in by this point, so it was a different style of play. Um, and then Hibs away, home and away, was was a massive game because they were a good side. They were they had some good, yeah. good players. So then I remember the game at, at Easter Road and it was very tight and we obviously we got through that. So there was the the high of that, but also that took a lot out of us. That was that was like a cup final alone itself, even at that stage. Um, and then you've got another huge game against Motherwell sort of three or four days later. And again, I'm myself, I was getting injections so regularly in my knee that it, was, it wasn't good for me. But again, I was putting myself out there and I've always said that it was my choice to take them. I wanted to play for Rangers. Um, so with the home game at Motherwell, I felt that was a time that we looked tired. We looked as if the season had taken its toll on us. Everything that had happened from the the boardroom level stuff all the way down to to what we were we were at, at, at playing level the amount of games we had played everything and it was just uh, it was really the the home game was a hammer blow after the game I remember thinking that we, we still believed we could have done it but I think it was more hope than than actual real belief because. We, we we just looked so tired and we knew we had another game three or four days later, massive game again. And um and it was just it was it was disappointing, obviously. The game up, up Motherwell, um it was it was hard, nil-nil at half time. I felt as if we probably had to score in the first half if we had the opportunity of in a game we didn't really look like scoring. I think they had a couple of, if I remember back, they had a couple of opportunities in the first half that was close. We didn't look like we were, we, were, we looked tired, and then obviously the goal that that everyone speaks about <laughs> uh, that I need to live up to. And again, it was listen. I've spoken about it many a times that it was a mistake, and people say, "What? Why did it happen?" And I said, "Honestly, you, you can't. When these things happen, you can't explain it." Um, and I, again, people say, "Why did you do that? Why did you do that?" I, I, honestly, I can't explain it, and it was. Um, it was just a mistake, and it was obviously it was it was up it was up the the wrong time to make a mistake. But in my 
my view of it overall, we'd already lost the tie and, and people might say, oh, that's just an excuse. Not an excuse. Listen, I'll, I'll hold my hands up and say I made the mistake uh, and it was a crucial mistake. But yep. I, I felt as if we never had enough over the two ties to, to get through that. Um, and it, again, it was it was, um, it was was really disappointing. It was hard for me as a, as a person to deal with. I got a lot of stick from that. Um, still do to this day. But um, that's part and parcel. You learn as a person and it probably made me stronger as a person and and again, you understand who the people around you, yep. that, that's a, your support mechanism, um, it needs to be really strong because I had a whole summer thinking about that. I also knew my knee was done. I played in that game and then I had to go and get surgery and it was another five months. I'd actually, when I went and found out after that game what I'd done at my knee, I'd torn my articular cartilage, which is never repairable again. Yep. Um, and I had to go and get a microfracture done on my knee. Um, surgery and, and I was out for six months and it was that was that was the nail in the coffin for me it was it was really really disappointing because I obviously made that mistake then you had had six months of surgery ahead of you and it was um, it was a long summer that one yeah I remember talking about the mistake obviously I remember at the time my dad saying to me you look like a drunk guy at a christening trying to keep the bones up with the veins but Having played in goals myself at junior level, obviously watching Xander at professional, yep. it's unless you've played in goals and been in that, you know yourself, you do that at training once a month. It just so happened that it happened for you in a big game at a big moment. And and it isn't unexplainable. It's not as if you meant to trip out or lose your footing. Or, um, and I, I, that's, it's just hard that people don't understand that unless you've been in the situation, how easy it is. It's like a, defend, a, a defender missing a clearance or a striker. But when you're the goalkeeper, it's it's magnified that much, yeah. And as you say, we still talk about it to this day. Definitely, I think it's one of them things that again, as I say, when the deflection happened from the shot and it looped up and over, again, I, I started to, to go back and I probably stumbled a little bit. Yeah. And again, that was one of my with my injury with my knee. It was always yeah. going back and trying to push off. And I'll never use it as an excuse, but did it play a factor? It did for me. I remember going in at half time in that game. And I said to the physio, my knee's done. It was so swollen. And I think he gave me a couple of tablets to try and take that would try and reduce the swelling. And honestly, it was it was at the end of its road. Um, but it's not it's not an excuse. It's just it's just um again, it's I'm always aware of that at the time and, and it was a mistake. And as you say, it happens in training. I've done worse in training, hundred yeah. percent. Um, but it's just one of these things that you need to you need to deal with. And uh, I had to deal with it and and for me it was it was a mistake, but we'll hopefully move on from it. Yeah. So the next season, obviously, you say you're away, get surgery. Uh, Mark Warburton comes in, and he brings in with him uh, Wes Fodringham. Yeah. How was Wes to work alongside? Wes was a great guy. Really enjoyed him. Really enjoyed the uh, working with him. Again, I sort of I wasn't back training until I think it was November time um, after my surgery, and I knew. That was going to be really difficult for me to get my place back because I, when a new manager came in, you're injured and you're a long-term injury. It's not just a two-weeker; it's a long-term. So he needs to sign a goalie, yep. uh, and he signed Wes, and Wes done well, and enjoyed working. He was a good, good guy, um, and and Matt Warburton. I thought again, I, I've been critical of Matt Warburton in the past, um, but also I praised him massively. Probably the best manager organization on the training pitch him and David Wheeler were phenomenal the drills that he done was so intense and and again the way that we played we passed the ball but he was very very good I just criticized him for the way that 
his man management skills were. I didn't think he enjoyed people going and questioning him, being in his office, and, and he, he was uncomfortable with it, um, which is fine. But again, when you start to spin the truth a little bit, that, that's when I have a problem with it. If, listen, if you're honest, you're honest. Yep. Um, but again, for me, Matt Warburton was the best manager I've had on the training pitch because his training drills were exactly the way that we played. That that comes as a surprise to me because the stories you hear are he never worked on set pieces, he never believed that set pieces should be worked on at training. So the fact you're saying the opposite of that is it just goes to show It's interesting that and I know that probably why the, the set piece things come up with Joey Barton. Um, the Joey Barton thing that when Joey Barton came into the club and, and I was away by this point, but I yeah. know that he had came into the club and they were doing set pieces and Joey Barton started to take over it. And again, for me, that's that's completely wrong. It's bad mm-hmm. order. Um, Matt Warburton did work on set pieces and he worked on the way that the patterns of play that we used to pass from the back. Wes used to play out to Danny Wilson and Rob Kiernan. We yep. had so many patterns of play and we could have never done that on a Saturday if we hadn't worked on it. And we did, we worked on it. I was, that's the first time in my career that I've been involved in almost every possession drill. Goalies were involved in possession because of the way we wanted to play. Yep, he was he was massive on it. And and again, I can never fault Matt Warburton on his on his training drills and stuff. Um because he was he was really it was really intense, um, he was really organized, and him and David Weir done well on the training pitch. I, I really enjoyed them um on the training pitch, but again. I can probably understand why them stories have been bandied about, but for me, completely false when I was there because he did work on set pieces. He worked on everything. I think one of the one of the things he gets cast up against him is his plan B is to do yeah. plan A better. Um, how did you feel about that? If a game's maybe not working, sometimes it's frustrating. Obviously, I know you never really played that season, but watching for the sidelines and seeing you can see the game plan's not working and could maybe be doing my tweak, whereas his idea is, no, we'll just do plan A better. Is that frustrating for you as players, the same as it was for us as supporters? Yeah, I think I think that's another area that you probably look back on his time at Rangers and think, if, if you're open to learning, what you need to have a plan B. Whether it's Matt Warburton or Pep Guardiola, you need to, you can't play the same way. If it's not working, it's not working. You need to change it. That's that's where, for me, good managers identify it on the pitch and, and they make changes and they say, look, this isn't working today. They've maybe countered it and, and, and pressed against what we what we're trying to do or change their formation to, to make it difficult for us. And that's when we need to have a plan B. And and we just he, he, you're right, he, he didn't have a plan B and that that was a, a big probably factor on his slow failure to to uh, his time at Rangers. Um I thought his plan A was was fantastic because I loved watching us the way we played yeah. and we moved the ball and how we kept Barry Mackay up the pitch and high and wide and was one on one and made Barry Mackay the player he is today. Yep. Um, and I, I just felt as if I wanted to him to see, look, if this isn't working, then we've got the option of playing long or we've got Waggy was up front, he was a strong boy. So yep. we can drop into him, we can make him competitive up the top if we need to go long and make the opposition think. But that that was that was a, that was a frustration probably for everyone. So, so see that year when the likes of Waggy, that take it Tav comes in that year yeah. as well. Did yeah. you look at the wee skinny James Tavernier who came into Rangers at that point and envisage him as being the captain that would lift fifty five for Rangers? Did they have that kind of potential? Did you think when you first met him? 
I probably didn't, to be honest. I probably, I, I love Tav as a lad. I think he's a great, great lad, a, a nice guy and, and a very good player. I always thought he was a very good player, but did I think he was the leader he is today? Probably not, but he's grown into that. I think he's understood the club. He's done his time. He's took a lot of stick as well over the years, which I think will have made him the person he is today and probably made him the captain he is today because he's he's handled stick off Rangers fans previously. Rangers yeah. fans have had a go at him in years. Oh, he's not good enough. He can't defend. Of course, he can defend. He's he's le- he still still was learning at that point. Yep. But no, he's he's almost. I'm not saying he's a finished article because he, he probably you never are. But he's he's in a real good place. He's a he's a good person to be a captain because I think he's really trustworthy. He's a person you could go to and speak to. Um, and no, he's got that respect factor as well. He's um, he's a phenomenal player. And, and really good for Rangers and um, I'm actually delighted for him because he, he's had a rough ride of it at Rangers sometimes again there was there'll be many people that were that were clapping him and cheering him when he lifted when when he does lift the trophy that were wanting him out of the club and that yeah. that's that, that 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 for me is is brilliant for Tav because he's proved all them people wrong yeah he's an absolute machine I'm just looking at the notes I need here and I've missed it a point. I'm going to take you back to, to the, the third part game, uh, the end of the game, and Big Moshney giving it the right, left, right, three, <laughs> three punch combo. What was what was he like? He seemed like an eccentric big guy to play alongside. That. Uh, do you know what? He was the nicest guy off the pitch. Very religious, very, very polite. Um, and again, I, I knew he had a, a a mad moment in him because game when we're playing away at East Fife and the fans are giving him a little bit of stick, he's reacting to him and he can't leave it. And that was the moment when I when I was playing them at them times, I thought, you know what, you'll never last at Rangers because you are reacting to fans at East Fife, never mind at Aberdeen, never mind at Dundee yeah. United and all these places that it's hostile and, and hearts and stuff. And and I, I knew, I'd heard stories that he'd had a moment of madness at South End as well. Um, I tell the story that he'd went, he'd been sent off, and he'd went up with a pair of scissors uh, to the wee dressing room, which I don't know if is true, but that was a story I'd heard before he'd done the Motherwell incident, and I just think he lost it. Motherwell, he did. He he'd completely lost his mind uh, a little bit and seen the red mist, but he also couldn't get out of the red mist because we were trying to drag him off and saying, "Look, Bill, the game's done. We're beat. Listen, we're all disappointed, but you you can't can't carry yourself in that way." And we were all frustrated. Listen, no more than me, frustrated. But you again, Bilal was in the cheese room, smashed the mirror and punching the walls. Everyone was trying to. He's a big, big boy as well. So yeah, there's about four of you trying to control him. Um, and and then he's wanting to go to the away dressing room and like, look, you can't do that. And eventually got him to calm down. But even on the bus, he's on the bus. He seemed quite calm. Next minute, he's Lee Irwin again, and he's off the bus trying to go at him again. And it was a, it was a mad, mad moment. And um, again, I just, I knew when that had happened, I knew that obviously his career was over at Rangers, but he would, he would then, he would always struggle because he can't control himself um, on a football pitch and, and how much can a manager ever trust him? Yep. So August 2016, you left Rangers back, signed a two-year Dundee United. Um, obviously, after the after your Rangers stint, you can have done a few a few clubs, but one at Dundee United, saving three penalties in a game. Again, as a goalkeeper, I know how hard that is to save one. How 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 
How does he manage it? <laughs> it was mad. It was mad. I remember, obviously, the the game at Dunfermline, and it, again, it was great. I enjoyed being at Dundee United. It was uh, it was an opportunity for me after not playing for a season at Rangers. I went and played. The manager made me captain there. Um, and again, that that game it was it was bizarre because it was end to end to start with, and then it was really frantic the first half, and they give away a penalty, and you're thinking, oh, here we go. And then you save the first penalty, and you think, right, okay. And then I remember they had uh, the second penalty was bizarre because it was a one on one with me, and the Gavin Riley was a boy that was running one on one, and I've me and him have slid in together, and I've saved it, but we crashed knees off each other, so we're lying in a heap. And I turned wrong just to make sure where the ball was. And our defender had the ball. And my knee was killing me. And Gav's lying the floor in agony as well. And the next minute, the referee blows the whistle. And I'm thinking, what's happened there? And our defender, what happened was our defender did slip. And and then Nicky Clark had went to, to nip in to get the ball. And he just brought him down. And I didn't even know about it until after the game. So I'm lying in a heap agony. And then the physio comes on. He says, oh, it's a penalty against you. I was like, what? what's going on here? So, and then I always remember, it was quite funny, because the physio went to me, he says, oh, will you be all right for a penalty? He says, oh, I'll tell you after that, just wait beside the goal. <laughs> so, so I, when I saved the penalty, I just gave him a wee wink, and he just laughed at me after it. Um, and then, it, it, again, going in, saving two penalties, you go into the third penalty, um, and the third penalty was uh, Paul McMillan that hit it. And uh, it was... It was almost when when the penalty when he put the ball on the spot, I, I knew I was going to save it. And bizarrely, I just I just had that feeling that I was going to save it. And I think he was he looked really nervous because I'd obviously saved two, and then you managed to save it. But it was it was I mean even to give three penalties away in one half is ridiculous. Um, and but to save all three was was amazing. It was it was a oh, the Dun, some of the Dundee United fans. I know some Rangers fans don't get on with Dundee United, but. Yeah. I said, like, listen, it's it's one of the best days of my life because you'll, you'll never witness that again. I For me, obviously, watching as a Rangers fan, I, I remember it happening. Um, and something I just wanted to, to bring up and ask you about because it is, it's a special thing for it's the goalies' union, isn't it? It's a massive, massive. And again, like, it, it always, again, will it be done in, in British football again? Probably not. And to, to be able to say that for myself is, is, is big that you've done something that not a lot of goalies will do. Ever. So yeah, obviously you leave uh, Dundee United, and then you've obviously got an R we spell at Kelly, not really, not really playing. Um, Hibs. So at Hibs, working Marciano, he yeah. seems for me one of the better goalies in the league. Yeah, Ophir well, was really good, really good. It was it was interesting when when I moved to Hibs, I, I kind of left Kilmarnock right on deadline day, and it was weird because Scott Bain had actually went to Celtic. And it left an opening, and then I got a phone call saying, "Look, do you want to come to Hibs?" I was delighted to go. Really good club, um, and Afia was was a was a very good goalkeeper. Um, really consistent. Really, he can make these errors. He can make sort of big blunders. I would say, but again, it's it's not that often. Um, I think it's his his lax personality. He's really quite relaxed and quite a cool character. But a really nice guy, but a top top goal. But some of the saves he makes is phenomenal. Um, and that uh, hander, eh? yeah. love that. he loves that overhand. Oh, thing. loves it, loves it. He's got that. But he's a he's a big boy and he can get about the goal very well. Yep. Um, so it, I just I just felt he was he was a really good goalkeeper and a, probably would be a big miss when he leaves Hibs at the end of this season um, because he's been consistent for them and Hibs have always had that goalkeeping problem for years. Yep. Then it's Patrick Thistle playing alongside 
uh, young Connor Hazard for the other mob. Um, how is how is he? Obviously, we've seen a wee bit of that this season. How was your time at Hibs? Um, no, Connor was Connor was a good goalkeeper. Again, I I, I thought um, he he still had a lot to learn. I still probably think he does have a, a little bit to learn. I think he needs to go and play games somewhere. He's going to get caught in this trap as a goalkeeper. You've you're maybe only played 50 games and you end up 25 year old and that's what happens where the sort of old fun goalkeepers can happen quite a lot um, so I think he needs to go and get games for a season or two um, is he good enough for Celtic just now? Probably not mm-hmm. I know they're having trouble in their goalkeeping department but I still think he's he, he, he's not he's not there yet and I think he needs more goalkeeping experience match, match day stuff Yep, and that takes you via Fissel to St. Johnson on loan. Uh, how was your time up there? Obviously, I've got a wee affiliation with St. Johnson through Xander. How was your How was your time up there? Do you enjoy that? Loved it. It was It was weird because when I was at Partick Fissel, um, Gary Caldwell came in as as manager, and me and Gary Caldwell didn't see eye to eye um, at all. Uh, so I was desperate to get out, and then Tommy had phoned me and says, "Look, we're looking for a number two and I said, "Absolutely." Um, I said, look, hopefully I can bring experience if Xander gets injured. I absolutely knew my place. I knew that I was going in as number two. Um, I got to know Xander. I knew Xander through playing against him and stuff and speaking to him, so I knew he was a good lad. And then I had a really good relationship with Xander. I really enjoyed working with him. I think he enjoyed working with me. Um, and obviously Xander got injured and I got an opportunity to play five or six games. But again, knew my place, knew I was never going to stay in goals. Um and probably for for St Johnston as a club, probably was a good number two to have there because again, my first game, Xander got injured on the Friday, and we were playing Rangers at Ibrox on the Saturday, but it didn't phase me because I'd been there, I'd done it before, and I'd listen. You as a goalkeeper, if you maybe have a younger guy who doesn't have that time to prepare, um, then they maybe get a little bit nervous, or players are unsure of them. But the the guys knew what they were getting from me. They knew that I could go Ibrox and play, and I think we drew the game nil nil actually. Never um, a shot in it, you. I know it was. They were, they were terrible. <laughs> Remember it well. So bad, and mm-hmm. it was. Um, but again, just having that relationship with the first team goalie. I think I was at a good age to help Xander as well, support him, and say, look, and he knew that I always had his back. I wasn't there to, to yep. try and be malicious because sometimes you get that. You need to have a competitive edge, totally. Yep. But you also need to be there to support. Whereas some second goalkeepers chuck the toys out the pram because they're not yep. playing. But again, that wasn't I wasn't there to do that. I was there to, to help the club and um absolutely loved my time up there. It was really, really good. Enjoyed working with Tommy, enjoyed working with, with Xander and it, it was great. So I, what I've noticed over the course of speaking to you today is you've worked alongside obviously Xander, you've worked alongside Hazard, and you've worked alongside obviously at Rangers, I'd have imagined Liam Kelly. Yeah. Believe the three of them are, are all future potential Scotland internationals. Definite, definite. I'm very surprised. I think I actually spoke about Xander being a, a should have been in the Scotland squad when I was at St Johnston. I felt as if he was ready for it. I felt as if he was playing well enough, and he he needed that opportunity to to be in the squad. And um, I still think there's absolutely loads of time for him to be in the squad. I think he's he's um, a top goalkeeper and and obviously a big guy as well. So he's got the presence, but he's. He's done it consistently for years now. So I would say, listen, Steve Clark, and, and the, probably within the next year or two, I think you'll look and you'll see Craig Gordon will step away from the international mm-hmm. stuff. 
Um, they'll, so there could be openings for like Zazanda, Liam Kelly. Liam was good. Good. Liam done the right thing. Went away from Rangers to play football. Yep. And then he, he, he thrived from it. He went. He went. Obviously, got his move to Queens Park. But no, I think there's the the goalkeeping department is always quite strong at Scotland level. Yep. So it's uh, it's really difficult to break in. But I think that is probably them three are going to be competing. Obviously, going forward. Yep. And obviously now you're you're doing your director of football role at Annan. Obviously, that's a a change. A, a change in your outlook at the game. How's that going for you? It's brilliant. It's, it's been great. Annan, obviously, I'm local to Annan uh, and, and I stay here and it's my local club. But it's, it's great to, to see this side of football. I'm studying at the moment, doing a degree on football business management. So to try and um, make sure that I understand the administrative side of football as, uh, as well as the footballing side, I think it only benefits me going forward in this role. And I'm very close with Ross Wilson at Rangers, so I've learned loads from Ross. He's, he's been massive for me going into this role, understanding the strategies and, and the way that he builds departments up in, in football clubs. It's 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 phenomenal. And and listen, Rangers, a lot of Rangers fans don't appreciate what Ross does, but if they had, if there was an inside, one day inside of what Ross Wilson does at the football club, they would absolutely understand the whole how massive he is to where they are at the moment. He's, for me, I know Stephen Gerrard is, is a huge part of it and, and absolutely deserves credit, but for me, Ross Wilson does does all the, the structure work to where Rangers are and, and will be in the future and deserves a huge amount of credit. So he's he's a person for me that that's invaluable that I, I need to, to lean on as much as I can and hopefully, hopefully with my relationship with him, I can. That's that's brilliant to hear, Cammy. Um, I I was actually going to end up uh, kind of close interview on on Rangers now. Uh, now that the the journey's complete and we're we're back, champions of uh, Scotland again, and just to see for the outside now looking in, but obviously still having your contacts within the club. How how important do you feel the next season's going to be in kicking on and, and winning it again with that structure you're speaking about? Um, champions League qualification and stuff as well. Like, how important is next year now that we kind of just rest on my laurels because 55's here, but we need to keep pushing on and pushing on? Massive. Matt, next next season's bigger. Next season's harder. Next season, it, it becomes, again, the expectation of Rangers fans is they've won the league, so we should be winning it next year. So that, that alone is difficult to deal with. But I think having the right structure, the right um, everything in place at the club, they're in a real good place up the stairs, as I spoke about in the interview, that when I was at Rangers, up the stairs was such a mess and yep. it does feed down to the eventually to, to the players they're in such a good place up the stairs of the hierarchy they're yep. all pulling in the same direction all want the same thing people want to invest in the club now because yep. they're in a good place and again Ross Wilson is one of these guys that are driving it he's he'll be he'll be working two transfer windows ahead yeah um, because he's that structured he's got a recruitment department in place that look at that he's got a great relationship with the manager um, and I think even if Steven Gerrard does leave the club at any point, I think Rangers will be prepared for it. I do. I, I firmly believe they've got a person in that club in Ross Wilson that, for me, will be hoping that Steven Gerrard doesn't leave. But yep. ultimately, the day when it does come, you'll you'll know what type of Rangers manager need to to continue the success that they've had this season. Yeah, obviously we spoke the other day. Um... 
when we were organising the interview about the young goalkeeper you've took for Rangers, yeah. the, the boy Kinnear, and is that an avenue you'll be looking as you build up, obviously, your squad and about your relationship with Rangers to maybe get some more promising youth up to Annan uh, as you expand the place? And, and how about, I take it, being director of football, you'd have been involved in bringing the boy Kinnear there. How, how do you rate him? Brian's done, done well. He's a very good goalkeeper. And again, um, yes, definitely it's an avenue that we're looking to work with Rangers in the future. Um, and again, I've got a close relationship with Ross and uh, Craig as well at the, the academy director. So it, it's one that we think that we're a good model for Rangers younger players to come and get game time. And we spoke about how does, how does a young player at Rangers manage to break into the first team? I think these loans are are really key um so it's uh no it's it's interesting and and hopefully we can we can develop that that loan um as well and, and continue that going forward perfect Annie. Look, thanks very much for for giving me your your time today and for for speaking to us here on the rangers rabble in conversation with um so thanks very much mate i appreciate your time and good luck with the rest of the season cheers guys thanks for having me as well Sports Social Podcast Network.